0: Read something this week. I've been reading What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey. I highly recommend it. It's an old book, but I kind of found it on the bookshelf again, and this week, and I read something in it that really struck me. Um, If you look in John chapter thirteen, verse twenty-three. Um, it's when all the disciples would gather around and they were with Jesus and they were having the Last Supper and they were looking around quite perplexed because Jesus had said, um, One's going to betray you, or, you know, one's going to betray me. And, and um, the disciples began to look at one another, perplexed as to which of them he meant. And one of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was reclining at his side. And um, if John was asked the question about, who he saw himself and what was his, how did he identify his life. Think about what he would have said because he was an author. He actually wrote quite a lot of the New Testament. He wrote John, he wrote 1st and 2nd and 3rd John and he wrote Revelation. He was probably, I think he was second after Paul to write the New Testament. So you could have said, well, he was the author of part of the New Testament. You could have said he was a great evangelist. You could have said that he was an apostle. He could have said, I'm a disciple. But actually, um, he doesn't say that about himself. And because he didn't see himself like that, we don't see him like that. He said, "I'm." The, and if you read through the writings of John, he's, I'm the one that Jesus loves. I'm the one that Jesus loves. And it's interesting because you look at all the other things that he did and you could easily, in our way of looking at things and saying, that is his identity. He's a disciple. He's an apostle. He's an evangelist. He's an author. And we do that in our world. We put labels on other people and we put labels on ourselves. This is who I am. But he didn't actually ever identify himself as that. He says, I am the one Jesus loves. And... Um, Perhaps it's something that we, especially this morning, when we think about who we are, because who we are, studies reveal that we identify and become what the most important and significant person in our life thinks and says we are. We actually identify with that. So who is dictating to us who we are? And who has dictated thus far? how we identify who we are. Is it our parents? Is it our friends? Is it our job? Is it what we've done, where we've been? Or is it the father? Is it the father that identifies who we are or is it other stuff that we put on us? You know, sometimes we don't face those things until we get to further on in life where we maybe retire and so we don't have the title anymore. Or, you know, um, something happens and we're estranged from our children so we don't have all that happening around us. And it's like, who am I without those things? And so if we can learn early on, those who are older would say, learn it early on because you need to know who you identify with and who identifies you. And so um, what would it mean for us if we came to the place where we saw our identity in life through the lens of being the one Jesus loves. How would it change how we view our life, our day, how we relate to other people, how we see our future? Actually look through the lens of I am the one that Jesus loves. And I actually read out this little passage um, during the week to Philip and he was just like, he stopped doing what he was doing and he went, let's just write that on the mirror in the bathroom to remind ourselves of every day, I am the one that Jesus loves. Because if you can get that and identify yourself through that lens, all the other stuff just comes off all the other pressure and expectation and burdens and I've got to do this to be acceptable and I've got to do something significant, you know. I talk to lots of people and they're like, I'm in such a hurry and there's a saying and almost like a feeling in society with young people at the moment that if they don't do something significant by the time they're 30, then they kind of failed a little bit. It's like, I've got to do something. And once you get to 30, it's a big number. And then once you get to 40 and then 50 and 60, oh, well. Whereas there's no end date... (laughs) If you think of I'm the one who Jesus loves, it just keeps on going on that my identity is in him and not in other stuff. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to just, because often we do identify with who we are from where we've come from and the people that have spoken over our life. And I shared a little bit on Monday night about the power of frequency and the power of the energy that is around us and the things that are coming out of people's heart. We pick up on it. And the frequency that is in somebody's voice it carries it carries what is within them it says that's why it says out of the mouth the heart speaks is what somebody holds in their heart and they say you're picking up on that frequency and every energy and thought and emotion behind it and so thinking about where we've come from and who has spoken over and into our life and what have you had spoken over you or into you that you have received in, that, in those frequencies of what's coming out of people's heart? Because um, what we believe is coming out of us all the time and it will affect how you speak and how you relate as, as a parent coming up or as a grandparent or as a teacher or whatever you do, it's like what's in your heart? And what, that's got, what's going to be released and... Um, Yeah, and that what what we've had spoken to us actually shuts down. What a person's voice carries, everything and who they are is released in how it's spoken. And, you know, dads are often the ones that speak things over our life and it can... Our bodies are so attuned to this that someone is repeatedly speaking negatively to us. As a child, we actually shut down that band of frequency that their voice was in. So you know this tone they're in and we can shut down that frequency and then later in life if another person speaks in the same frequency, we have a hard time understanding or communicating with them them because we've shut down that. And you think how many people have said things over our life and we've shut it down? And how many things, you know, your dad said something or somebody in authority has spoken over your mum it might have been, and it's like you shut down things because there's so much negativity or disappointment that you're feeling and so you shut down things in your life. And I feel like that's what I was seeing was this box in our hearts where we've closed up things because you do it to protect yourself. If somebody's always speaking negatively and putting that out and it is an energy, then we're going to close that part of us up. And God wants us to open up and be free. As Jesus says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. But it's like a process of sanctification, of outworking what he has done, and those places in our heart that we close up. And so that's why he says it's so important to fill our life with what he says about us, that we would not speak, that we would not believe, that we would not think anything that is contrary to what God says about us. Because that is where our identity is then found. So, today, as you're listening, who do you see yourself as? Who do you identify with? And where did that come from? And is there parts of your life that have actually been shut down and closed up because somebody spoke something over you, or your experience, or you've pulled back, or you've shut down things that God wants actually to be opened up? That down. Um, because Romans 12 says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, to actually start to think how the Father thinks about us. What do you believe today that is contrary to what God says about you? And how does the Father feel about you? So I'm going to read some scriptures out, and you can Google it. Google is your friend. You can Google the Father's love and come up with, like, hundreds of verses. It's like, this this is what... And then to speak those over yourself... So I'm going to speak these over us this morning because this is how the Father feels about us and this is the frequency that he wants us to be on because when we get hold of that and we start to identify with how he sees about us, then it opens up all areas of our life. We don't want to go through life with these parts all shut up and shut up because that's what we actually release out of our heart and out of our mouth is that we're not free in that. And you can sense that when you're talking to people that they're not free in that or they've got a wound there and you can see it and you can feel it and you can hear it. And people that have been through circumstances, they gather together because they resonate, they're resonating and bouncing back off what's in them as in the other person as well. And God wants us to be free so that we're able to help others be free. So the Father, I love this one in Deuteronomy 32 verse 10. It says, He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. You're actually the apple of the father's eye. Fathers he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God and his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely and family families, and he leads forth the prisoners with singing. Psalm sixty eight. O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are the potter, we are the work of your hands. Isaiah sixty four. The word actually gives us a good self esteem. <laughs> If you can take hold of it and identify, think about that for a minute. He's our heavenly father. He created us. He thought about us. He formed us in our mother's womb. He shapes us after we've been born. And we are like clay in the hands of a potter and we are his beautiful masterpiece. And he will never give up shaping and forming us. Yeah, that's Psalm 68, or Isaiah 64, sorry. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, Matthew 6, verse 4. So don't ever think that what you are and who you are, that God doesn't notice and see you. Your father who sees what you do in secret, in those places where you're you're serving and you're giving, and you think, is anybody noticing? Yes. And he says he will, will reward you. Matthew 6. Your father knows what you set before him, knows what you need before you ask him. Sorry, So he knows what you need before you even ask him. Matthew 6 verse 8. So you can just come to him. Matthew six twenty six says, "Look at the birds of the air; they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they?" He's got it all covered. If you then know you you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven good give good gifts to those who ask him? Matthew seven. You think about it, even and like. You've had a dad or somebody who's given to you and it's like they know how to give a gift or they know how to say a kind word and it's like, well, they're, in comparison, they're evil compared to the father's love for us. So if he knows knows how to bless us and give to us. Your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. That's the father's heart for the lost. I love this one. We know the prodigal son. But while he was still a long way off, even when we're far off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son. Think about that. The son wasn't running to him. The father ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. That's the father's heart. No matter where we are, we're never ever too far away that he can't find us. And that even when we are stumbling and holding back, he runs to us. He runs to us and throws his arms around us and fit, his heart is filled with compassion and love for us and he gathers in his arms and kisses us and fattens, kills a fattened you know, calf and puts a robe of righteousness on us and says, you are mine and I am the one. You're the one I love. And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So when you read the Gospels and you're reading what Jesus did, and he does, that's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of the Father. And I'll ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor or comfort to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The Father will give you whatever you ask in my name, Jesus said. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Romans 8. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Think about that. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us, in love he predestined us to be adopted as his children. Ephesians 1. Through Christ we have access to the Father by one spirit. Ephesians 2. God is the Father from whom all fatherhood derives its name. You want to know how to be a good dad? Look at how the Father is that he is full of grace and compassion and kindness, that he disciplines those he loves, that he directs us and instructs us in the way to go, that he's always there and he runs to us and he wraps his arms around us, that we can always go to Abba Father, our Daddy God, our Papa. Now... I love this one. This is probably my most favorite verse and you probably all know it because you've been listening to me. Now to the Father who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The Father wants to do immeasurably more than we can ask or think or dream or possibly imagine. It's his heart to give to us. It's his heart to bless us. It's his heart to make our dreams come true. It's his heart to do more. You ask for this and he goes, but I want to give you more. That's how the father's heart. It's not that he's stingy or wants to discipline us or he's sitting up there pointing his finger and sees all the wrong things we do. It's like he wants to wrap his arms around us and go, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. He's a good God. He's a good God. And if you've had a good dad, you get that. But if you haven't, then it kind of can skew how we see the father. But God is a good God and he wants to bless us and he doesn't let us down and he won't ever give up on us and he doesn't disappoint us. 1 John 3 1 says, How great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. The Passion Translation says, Look with wonder at the depth of the father's marvellous love, that he has lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. Why me just close your eyes for a minute and consider how your life would change and how you would feel about yourself, your worth, your perspective, your future, your thoughts and beliefs, if you really, really got down in your heart and renewed your mind and embraced the truth that the Father loves you. He loves you right now, how you are, warts and all. He loves you in your sin and in your failings. And he loves you in your victory and your success. Imagine how you would be if every morning when you looked in the mirror, you saw who and what God sees when he looks at you, how the Father looks at you and what he sees. And then you chose to live out of that place of knowing his absolute love, acceptance and favour because you are the one. That he loves. You are the one that he loves. And let that get down deep in your heart and remute your mind. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, that he would not withhold any good thing. He gave his Son Jesus for us that we might be set free, that we might loathe the love, that there would be no separation that we will be seated in heavenly places with him. We have a robe of righteousness, a royal robe placed on our shoulders, that we are his sons and his daughters. And he says, I have a hope and a future for you that is good. And I'm going to walk beside you. I'm going to clear the way for you. That even when you walk in the dark places, I am there with you. That's how much he loves us. And to allow him into those places that we hold back, we bury, we box up. Because you are the one that he loves. You are the one he loves. And sees. And adores. You're the apple of his eye. Precious in his sight. And he's so, so proud of you. And as we take communion, it's all about that. It's all about taking hold of what Jesus has done for us, that the Father didn't withhold. His love from us. That whole point of Jesus going to the cross is so that we wouldn't be separated, that we wouldn't have our unworthiness or our sin or our disappointment or guilt or shame in the way anymore. There's no separation from His love anymore. So we take the bread this morning. Take it. Take it inside you, knowing there's no separation. Just eat as you're ready. Just take the cup and we'll hold it and drink together. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for your love that you love us so much that we can't actually measure it because it's so immense. But Lord, this morning I ask that you would touch our hearts, that you would bring us revelation of how wide and deep and high and long your love for us, Lord, and that we would be made complete in that love. Lord, that we would really get down on the inside of us that we are the ones you love. And Jesus, that even if we'd been the only one, you said that you would have come and died for us, to set us free, that we are so important and precious to you. So we thank you, Lord. We ask you to heal our hearts. You fill us so that we're overflowing Receive your love this morning as we drink. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Dale Kinney and you can also subscribe to my daily inspirational blog for more encouragement to live your best life. You'll find my blog on my website at dalekinney.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.